Have your Bibles, guys. Let's turn, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And we'll we'll read verses 1 and 2 there. We've been talking about and picking on and unpacking and going deeper uh, on the spirit of generosity. And we are on this section where we've been talking about uh, being stewards of God's truth. Because part of being generous means that we utilize, we allow God to utilize our spiritual giftings to serve the body of Christ. Each one of you all who profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior have been endowed with spiritual gifts. Generally at least one, but usually more than one. And what we discovered in reading, uh, I think it was Peter's letter, uh, when he said that, that use your spiritual gifts to serve the body of Christ. So what God has implanted down on the inside of you, if it's going to have the type of kingdom impact that God designed for it to have, you got to get into a mind of being generous, generous from the standpoint, not just monetarily giving, which we ought to give and support whatever ministry that we are uh, connected with, where we're in covenant relationship with. But it goes beyond just the monetary giftings. If you have a spiritual gift and do not allow the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to experience that gift, you're being stingy. Hello? You're being stingy because the Bible that I read tells me that that gift that you have helps make the church body complete. And so we don't want to be uh, non-generous by keeping our gift to ourselves. Uh, one of the things I was, I was reading, um, and I ran across this, uh, this little uh, guy was talking about the fact that when he was growing up, he, um, uh, he, he watched his dad and his uncle uh, watch the, the TV show The Long Ranger. How many of you remember The Long Ranger? Yeah, that was an old Western. Uh, how many of y'all like Westerns, by the way? Man, I love a good Western show. You know, just come into town and you come in there on gun smoke and Mac Dillon tells you you got to get out of town by sundown. <laughs> Carly tells me you got to be out by sundown. Uh, but uh, in, in the Western, uh, The Long Ranger, uh, it was, uh, The Long Ranger was the last of six surviving, uh, he was the last, of a, the last survivor of a group of six Texas Rangers. Uh, and, uh, but what he would do was he would travel across the West and, uh, concealing his identity with a mask, uh, when he traveled trying to fight criminals and trying to bring, maintain law, law and order in the wild, wild West. But, uh, this writer said the title of that show was somewhat misleading because the Lone Ranger was never alone. He said he rode a trusted horse named Silver. How many of y'all remember Silver? And he had his sidekick by the name of who? Tonto. Come on, somebody. I know somebody, some, some old schools in here. He had Tonto, and Tonto would frequently help get him out of jams or these precarious situations that he found himself in. But you know what? Even the Lone Ranger knew it was impossible to live alone. Hear me carefully. Unfortunately, the idea, uh, the, the, the idea of Lone Ranger Christianity has infiltrated and affected the church. Some believers think they can live separate and apart from the local church when in fact, it's, hear me carefully, when in fact it is impossible to grow as a Christian apart from the community of faith. Remember, the church is not a place, but it's people. Uh, author Ed Stetzer and uh, Eric Geiger stated in their book, Transformational Groups, he says, a call to discipleship and spiritual maturity is a call to biblical community. All right, biblical community. In other words, being around others 
who have a biblical mindset that we can encourage one another. They said the call to discipleship is an invitation to hear and obey the voice of God. He says also it's a call to discipleship is a call to follow Jesus and be sent as a missionary to your community and the world. Listen to this next part. He says living isolated and alone is an unbiblical concept. I'm going to repeat that. Living isolated and alone is an unbiblical concept. God expects us to live in community with other believers so that we can get spiritual growth, encouragement, and have accountability. So no long-ranger Christians. Amen? Amen? I know you say, well, Pastor, I just like being by myself. But guess what? God is trying to get you out of liking being by yourself. Because we need each other. We need that authentic gospel community to help uh, encourage us, to also help us to encourage others and so we can grow and develop. So if you, I told you before, this series is going to cause uh, uh, you to get uncomfortable if you are uh, a long ranger, okay? Now, I, I told you before, uh, I, could, I could see myself being a long ranger uh, myself, and God has to, has to, and he has been working on me about making sure that I don't, I don't be okay with just being by myself. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Are y'all looking at me like I'm crazy now? How many of y'all are of the mindset, well, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm cool. I don't really, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I don't have to have anybody over my house. Right. Uh, okay, I'm gonna, y'all going to leave me out there by myself. I need some hands raised in this place. I'm, you know, I'm cool, Pastor. You know, hey, Pastor, coming to church, I'll see you at church. Don't come by my house, Pastor. Guys. If we follow Jesus' model, we're going to see that he designed us to operate in authentic community. So get, get to the text. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. All right. Everybody said, no long rangers. So everybody need a tonto. And more than one. <laughs> Second Timothy. Paul's writing to his young son in the ministry by the name of Timothy. And listen to what he says. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Let's keep reading. He says, you have, been, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Okay? Trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Now again, let's... Just quickly review this. I said in order for us to, uh, to, to get to uh, the point to where we're functioning as an authentic gospel community and that we are out trying to duplicate this passage right here, we said first and foremost, we must understand something. There's some, some, uh, some principles that we got to hold true to our hearts and begin to operate by them. We said, number one, we got to recognize that discipleship Without reproduction is not biblical discipleship. Can we read it out loud together? It says what? Discipleship without biblical reproduction, without, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's read it together. Discipleship without reproduction is not biblical discipleship. Number two, we said, you will reproduce what was introduced to you. Let's read it again. You will reproduce 
what was introduced to you. Number three, we said what? Abide in the power of Christ. Number four, we said what? Accept the principle of Christ. And then uh, this last point we're going to get to, it says reproduce the priority. Of, well, I'm sorry, I'm going to invest in the people of Christ. And lastly, what? Reproduce the priority of Christ. Invest in the people of Christ is where we left off. Now, uh, this is important because if the church is going to be the transformative agent that Jesus Christ left it on the earth to be, we must invest in the people of Christ. And that, that's part of the discipleship that we've been talking about. What Paul wants Timothy to do is simple. What you have heard from me, commit or entrust that to trustworthy or faithful men who are able to pass it along to others. You know, I, I oftentimes look at the healthiness of the church. And I'm talking about the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ as a whole, the universal church uh, in America. And sometimes I see some things that are very disturbing to me as a pastor. Some things that are very disturbing to me as I look at and see uh, the, the lack of impact that our churches tend to have in the communities where we reside. And, and, and part of that is, is because I don't think that we did a good enough job of following Paul's command to his young protege, his young pastoring son in the ministry by the name of Timothy. He tells Timothy, the things that you've heard me teach you, I want you to uh, teach up and trust that to other faithful people who will be able to pass them along to others. Are you with me today? And so, uh, because it's, it's almost like this. Think of this for a second. Uh, how, much, how many of you all would, would, would visit, if you were to visit a new church, uh, and you say you had a, um, a, a newborn, let's see, Sanaya over there. Uh, Sanaya was at, 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 at the graduation on yesterday, and I got a chance to love on her and hug her. And she, 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 she came to a pastor. My mom said she's she kind of funny. She don't just fool with anybody. So I got a chance to hold her, and she laid her head on my, on my shoulder, and she reached up, and then she gave me some sugar. I mean, she just kissed her pastor twice and just hugged my neck. And man, I felt so good. I felt like a million dollars, y'all. But how many of you know that, that Kadarius and Stephanie would never go visit a church, take this baby to the nursery or the or, or department of the church, with, and, and nobody's in that room, and leave the child there by herself, and then go out and say, have a good time, and then turn around and throw a bottle and say, feed yourself. There's no way they would do that. All right? But you know what? When we look back, we think about it. A lot of our churches are doing new converts that way. We're doing new believers that way. They come in. We say, oh, we're glad you came. Thank you for being a part of our service. Uh, uh, come back next Sunday, and we're going to have a good time together. Then we say, come back next Sunday. We're going to have a good time together. And never really take the time to do what Paul is telling Timothy to do here. I want you to uh, teach the things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses Teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them along to others also. We got to do a better job as a church to being generous in being purveyors and stewards of the gospel truth. Now, 
Uh, we don't need to stop at a decision uh, where someone makes that decision except Christ. We need to be able to get into a position where we can disciple them. And that's going to cause for us to start being generous with our time. Let me stand right here. Let, let me let it soak in. We got to start being generous with our t- t- How many of y'all know time is valuable? Some people say time is money, and and in certain settings it is. Time is money, okay? When we do things that can create uh, those economic resources, when that time is taken away, it can take away money, right? But but we have to get to the point to where this this becomes a priority in our individual lives and in the life of the church. Are y'all still with me today? Now, again, look, look what we say here. We said that uh, in order for us to grow as a, as a body of believers, we got, to, we got to do this next thing. We got to invest in people, people of Christ, but we got to reproduce the priority of Christ. Go to John 17 with me right quick. Reproduce the priority of Christ. Are you still with me today? Now, when we, when we look back as, as you turn to John the 17 chapter, we got to realize that the goal of Paul's instruction to Timothy and to us is to make disciples who will be able to teach others also. And, and, and in, that, in that one sentence that he gave uh, Timothy there, uh, Paul represents uh, four generations of discipleship when he told him that what you learn, I need you to commit that to trustworthy men who will be faithful in teaching others also. That represents four generations of discipleship. Number one, Jesus entrusted that truth to Paul, right? How many of y'all know that Paul was on the road to Damascus getting ready to go tear some folks up for naming the name of Christ? I think it's in Acts the ninth chapter. Y'all check me out when you get back home. But he was on the road to Damascus to disrupt the function of the church. Are y'all with me today? But he met the resurrected Savior on the road to Damascus and had a life-transforming experience that ultimately catapulted him into a ministry that, that, that ultimately ended up transforming the world. But he met Jesus. So Jesus, amen, gave the message to Paul. That's one generation. Paul taught Timothy. That's another. Timothy taught faithful men. That's another. And those faithful men invested in others. Four generations of teaching. And guys, I'll tell you this. Even as our families, we ought to be passing down our faith to our children. Yes, they have to make the decision for themselves, but we ought to be pouring into them, positioning them to make that decision to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Are you with me today? The pro- and here's the beauty of it, guys. The process of discipleship doesn't depend on having uh, master teachers and expert lecturers. Amen? That's, a, that's, that, that's the erroneous misunderstanding that we have about discipleship. You don't have to have a doctorate in theology to disciple somebody. Are you with me? Paul merely implies teaching after being entrusted with something. In other words, he says, the thing that I taught you, the thing that you learn here on Sunday morning, the things that you're going to learn when we start our new study on Wednesday, all born again, covenant keeping members of the Elizabeth Baptist Church in Benton, Louisiana, who have done what they've been assigned to do by registering for the class. And if you have not, you're so dutiful and you hear this word that we're going to have people in the foyer when you leave out this place. You don't have to go online to sign up. They'll be waiting to take your registration. Those are the folk I'm talking to right now. 
and all the visitors too. You had to be here last week to understand that, that that's an inside joke, okay? It's not really a joke because as your pastor, I'm encouraging you to be biblical. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that's not lined up with Scripture. God wants to change all of us. Are y'all with me today? He does not want us to remain the same. Now, um, he expects us, you and I, not just the pastor. He expects everybody to pass on what we learn. That's what it takes to be a disciple, to pass on what you learn. But you got to learn something in order to pass it on. And that's where I'm trying to help all of us, myself included, to get better. Now, uh, let's take a look here. A disciple is a learner, a note taker, but not just for himself, for those he's going to invest in. Go to John, the 17th chapter, right here, verse number one. This, this, this particular passage of scripture is one that I've really, it's, it's really pricked my heart over the last two or three years or so. I've always read it, but it's, it's, it's like it's come alive in my spirit. And God is saying, listen, it's time for the church, especially the body of faith here, that he's graced me to pastor for the last 33 years. It's time for us to be serious about this disciple maker. It's time for us to be serious about expressing the unity that Jesus prayed about in this 17th chapter. Are you there with me? St. John chapter 17, and we'll begin reading at verse number one. Uh, It says this, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. Read it again. Glorify your son so that he can what? So that he can give glory back to you. Next verse says this. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Verse 4, let's read. Glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Let's read on. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we share before the world begins. 6, 7, and 8. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, they know I have. Read it again. Now, they know that everything I have is a gift from you. Verse number eight. You gave me. They accepted it and knew and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. Talking about this follow. Now, hear me carefully. For Jesus, reproducing disciples was not just important. It was the priority. Everybody say the priority. Now, all of us, if we begin to examine our lives, and if I follow you long enough, if I, just, if, if I could follow you probably for a week, I could probably determine what is the priority in your life. Just give me a week. I know for some of y'all that's scary to have your pastor follow you for a week. I mean, 24-7. I mean, you know, I, mean, I don't mean like going to the bathroom with you and stuff like that, but I'm talking about when you, when you, 
just, just being at your house, living with you for a week, going, going and see how you respond at work, going to see how you deal with people who don't look like you, be in your, in, in, in your secret conversation that you think nobody knows but you and the gospel who you're gossiping with. Let me come to this side over here. Being there to hear, hear how you respond and talk when your pastor says, okay, here's what we're going to do and here's what we require you to do as a member of this church and, and we want to hold you accountable. And I want to hear what, hear what kind of words come out of your mouth when you hear me say that. I'm following you for a week. I can determine what your priorities are. I mean 24-7. Because everybody can fake it while you're here, right? Oh, bless. How, you, how, you, how, how y'all doing, brother and sister Smith? Oh, we're blessed of the Lord, and we're highly favored, Pastor. God is so good. And God is so good. Ain't he good, Pastor? How often is he good, Pastor? You preaching to me now. He good always. <laughs> and you could have just had the most unbiblical like disagreement and discussion tear each other down, but when you got to the church, <laughs> see, if I followed you, I knew that. I know that. I know that when you're talking about he's good, you, you, you may know it intellectually, but you somehow haven't begun to capsulize that and eternalize what it means to know a good God and to walk according to his word. So the prior, listen to me carefully, Jesus, when it came to reproducing the disciples, it was the priority. Think about it for a second. If investing in others was not priority for him, he would have gone to Jerusalem as a teenager, claimed to be God, labeled as a, as a heretic and a blasphemer like the Jews did, uh, and sentenced to death. He would still have died, risen from the grave, ascended up into heaven for the sins of all those who would believe. But he didn't do that. He could have very easily just came here, uh, born of Mary and Joseph, did his thing, uh, 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 you know, did ministry, and, 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 and died on the cross of Calvary. We still would have been saved, right? But that wasn't the totality of his ministry. Guys, he devoted three years of his earthly life to 12 men. He devoted three years of his time pouring into these 12 disciples. You go, one of them went a little AWOL, right? See, when you're ministering, you're sharing and discipling, you know, sometimes you're going to have one that goes AWOL. Y'all know his name, don't you? Judas Iscariot, right? But he poured into these 12 men. Listen to me carefully. Hear the words that are coming out of my mouth right now. Jesus' life was just as important as his death. I need you to let that sink in. Jesus' life was just as important as his death. And I know we love it in the old church. It's talking about he died. Yes, he did. But he also lived. And what did he do while he was living here on earth? He didn't have to pull those boys close to him, but he did it because he knew that when he ascended back up into heaven, that God was going to use man to preach to man. He was going to choose the foolishness of preaching to get you and I saved. Are y'all still tracking with me today? So, 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 so the truth is, is, is emphasized here in 
St. John, the 17th chapter, this, this passage describes Jesus praying his final prayer uh, to the Father before ascending to the cross of Calvary. Jesus, you know, Jesus, if, if you examine this whole chapter, uh, this, this passage begins with the high priestly prayer of Jesus. He, he said in this, in this chapter, he is revealed to be the great intercessor. He's interceding on, on our behalf in this chapter. He reached the summit of prayer. He prayed for himself. He prayed for his immediate disciples, those that walked the earth with him at that time. And he prayed for future believers. And, and he, he only asked two things for himself. His, his prayer was not like some of ours. Some of our prayers are, Lord, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And give me, give me, give me, give me some more. Lord, go, 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 go. We ain't going away. We tell the Lord to go, God, go, 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 go. Lord, go to the hospital. Lord said, you go to the hospital and pray. <laughs> Lord, go down there to the, to the, to the rough area and, and, and do something about the crime. You go and do something about the crime. Lord, go to the Philippines. Go to, to our church in uh, uh, Haiti. Go, go wherever and, 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 and do this, God. God says, I got you there to do that. Lord, go, go down to downtown Shreveport and, ho- and, 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 and have a church service for those who are on the streets and those who are marginalized. God said, now you go. Are y'all listening to me today? But he, 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 he prayed. He prayed. He wasn't selfish in his prayer. I'm getting that. He prayed two things for himself. Number one, he, he requested glorify thy son. And the reason he wanted him to glorify the son, not so the light could be just shined on him. He said, glorify thy son so that thy son may do what? Glorify the father. See, there are too many Christians who are trying to get the glory. Hello? There are too many believers who want the light shined on them. There are too many believers who want their names up there. They want to be the conference headliner. And Jesus prayed that, that he be glorified so that he could glorify the Father. Are y'all tracking with me today? He prayed that glorify the Son, that may glorify the Father. And number two, he said, restore thy Son to his former glory, to his pre-existent exaltation, to his state of being prior to him being birthed on earth. Jesus has always been, because it's God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He has never not been, but he just, he was manifested in human flesh to die a sacrificial death on the cross of Calvary so that you and I could have a right to the tree of life. Glory be to God. Everybody said, thank God for the blood. The blood washes away our sin and the blood gives us opportunity to actually be in, in, in right relationship with God. In his prayer, Jesus made a declarative statement to his father saying, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. In verse number four, God gave him a task. I let y'all listen to me right here. God gave him a task. That task was not just to die on the cross. Because notice this. Notice, look at, put, up, put up verse number four for me, Jay. Notice that Jesus told the father that he accomplished the work he was sent for prior to dying on the cross. Can we read it together? I brought glory to you here on earth by doing what? Completing the work. He says, I brought glory by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, it's interesting to me. He says, I've completed the work, but he hadn't went to the cross yet. 
I know somebody else said, well, well, at the cross, he said, it is finished. Notice what he says. He says, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, in this prayer, Jesus never mentions miracles. Now, he's, he's getting ready to go to the cross. He knows he's dying. And when you get ready, when you know your time is short, you ought to be focused on the right things, right? He never mentions miracles. He never mentions multitudes. He never mentioned the church programs. Rather, 40 times he prays for his disciples in this text. 40 times he's interceding for those who will be following him. The task the father sent him to complete was to invest in these 12 men. Did y'all hear me? The task that the father sent him to complete was to invest in others, just like Paul told young Timothy. Now, my question to you today, as you sit here listening to me go on and on about this investing, how many people can you point to and say, I spent time pouring into them? How many people can you as a born again people say, I pulled them close to me and I, I, Pastor, I didn't know a whole lot other than what I've been taught. And I just told them what I've been taught. I didn't try to get into no area where I hadn't been taught because that's what some of us mess up. We talk about stuff we hadn't been taught about. Speak the truth that you know and stay within those bounds. And if you keep learning, God keeps giving you more truth. We can't expect to experience the ministry of Jesus and completely alienate ourselves from the model he implemented. The model he implemented was disciple making. I got to read that again. We can't expect to experience the ministry of Jesus and completely alienate ourselves from the model he implemented, which is disciple making. You know, um, let's see, where's, where's my niece, Nikki? Nikki, where are you? Raise your hand. You That's Nikki. Uh, Nikki um, is, uh, uh, is attending UCLA right now. Uh, last year, we had an opportunity last June to go to California and, and uh, uh, celebrate with her in her graduation. She was the first African-American valedictorian in that area, that region of California ever. Um, and, um, I mean, girls just smart. Just, I mean, just smarter than a whip. I mean, just, just, just know some stuff. Uh, but uh, she, she's at UCLA right now. Uh, and uh, UCLA had a legendary Hall of Fame coach by the name of John Wooden. How many of y'all remember John Wooden? John Wooden was, uh, was so good at what he did. He was, he was, his nickname was the Wizard of Westwood. Yeah. Now, y'all want to know why they call him the Wizard of Westwood? You know, sometimes nicknames uh, uh, sort of uh, you know, give us a, a viewpoint into your life or your looks or what you've accomplished and those kind of things. My nickname grow, growing up was Little Fella. And as y'all can see, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still a little fella, right? <laughs> Kevin, why are you laughing, Kevin? Why are you laughing? I got the name little fella because when I was born, I was, I was like a preemie, a preemie. I was real small. I was, I think, I, was I born on the way to the, to the, to the, to the hospital? I, I, I didn't make it to the hospital. I was born by the auction born <laughs> on Benton Road where now the Lexus dealership is. That's a sermon somewhere in there. <laughs> I don't know where it is, Richard, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a point there. Born by the cows, but driving a Lexus. I don't know. 
But my point is that that nickname was given to me because I was very small uh, as, as a young baby. But John Wooden was known as the Wizard of Westwood. Why was he known as the Wizard of Westwood? He won 10 NCAA basketball championships in a 12-year period. That is unheard of. 10 out of 12 years, they won the NCAA basketball tournament. And, 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 and they actually won a record seven in a row. It's like, man, who's who going to win this year? UCLA. Who's going to win next year? UCLA. Who's going to win the year after that? UCLA, Luau Cinder. Y'all remember those names? That's, that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar before he was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. All those dudes played for him, you know, on down to uh, Bill Walsh and others. But the dude, he, he, he was a master at teaching the game. He knew the importance of discipleship. Wooden taught basketball according to a simple, artful principle, which he called the whole part method. Everybody say whole part method. He would show them the whole and then break each element down. He followed his basketball instruction with four laws of learning. Listen, to, get this into your mental brain. Number one, explanation. Number two, demonstration. Number three, correction. And thirdly, repetition. Can we say it again? Say explanation, demonstration, correction, and repetition. Now, that, that sounds eerily similar to the instruction that Paul gave Timothy. What you have learned from me, explanation, in the presence of many witnesses, demonstration and correction. Three, entrust to faithful men who are able to teach others also, replication. See, we got to be about doing this stuff instead of just teaching it and learning it. Now, uh, when you look at this thing, uh, there are four qualities that we should, as, as Christians, aim to reproduce. But let's get back to John 17. and, and, and uh, Let's go on and show these, Jay, right quick, and we'll, we'll jump back to John 17. All right? Number one, we should aim to reproduce believers who are under the rule of Christ. Everybody say rule of Christ. It's one thing to come to church. It's one thing to say, I've been born again. You get a picture of your hand. You can even get baptized. But it's a whole different uh, experience, a whole different paradigm to be under the rule of Christ. Some of y'all want him to be your savior, but you don't want to be your Lord. See, when he's your Lord, he's ruling over your life. When he's your Lord, when you want to go left, he says go right. You don't stop going left, you start going right. We should be about producing believers who are under the rule of Christ, who are willing to operate under the lordship. Number two, what was the number two? It says believers who respect the word of God. Repeat. Why am I reading so crazy today? <laughs> believers who repeat the word of God and respect it. Can I throw that in just parenthetically? <laughs> believers who repeat the word of God. Number three, let's go. Believers who reflect the image of Christ. And number four, believers who replicate the process of Christ. So we're going to unpack those in my limited time left. Now, guys, listen to me carefully. To get to this point, you got to learn what it means to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. You'll never do this if you don't love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. You'll never let Christ rule over your life because you still want to be in charge of your life. 
Paul said it so eloquently in Galatians 2 and 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ lived in me. And the life that I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what Paul said. And man, when you go and follow Paul's ministry and how he gave up so much to promote the gospel, how he was, how he, he took the gospel not only from his, 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 his natural Jewish audience, but he was the apostle to the Gentiles. He was an apostle to every other ethnic group. And his Jews, Jewish folks got mad at him because he took the gospel to other ethnicities. As a matter of fact, the church of Antioch was one, was one of the most ethnically diverse churches, and that's when the gospel spread. They were first called Christians where? At Antioch. And we've been talking about this in this John 17 chapter. We get to the end of it. We'll, we'll, we'll highlight the fact that Jesus wanted to, us to show that perfect unity to the world so they can believe in him and his message. Now, so you got you to love, love, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, right? As a matter of fact, when they asked, <laughs> when they asked Jesus trying to trap him, Master, what's the greatest commandment? The Lord thy God with all the heart, mind, and soul. And the second one is on the same level. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, some of us want to try to love God and then hating on our neighbors. How are you going to love God and, and, and be a racist? You, you, you love God, but, but, but you're hating on somebody because they look different than you. I'm talking to all of us up in here. You say you love God, but don't want to be around people that don't look like you. What's wrong with you? You don't love God? Uh, you got to get the reference. Some of y'all, what's wrong with you? Remember my grandson, Ethan, used to love to sing that song. He called, Papa, you don't love God? What's wrong with you? I don't like Papa. You know, Papa makes me seem like I'm ancient call. I know you get, we got to get used to it. You one year ahead of me, but I, I, I told you, I, I wanted G daddy or something, you know, something, something cool. <laughs> Paul Paul Jerry just kind of just, I don't know. I, I ain't 60 yet. YB, but you know, Paul Paul, but I still answer to it. I still answer to it. Look, lo, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second one is like unto it. You, it, it it's because you can't really do the first one if you're bumming the second one. Love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Not the person next to, just next door to you, but it's anybody that's not you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love, 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 love. I was, I was thinking about this. Uh, th- there's a song that Al Wilson used to sing. Uh, and y'all remember, it's, it's called Show and Tell. I looked the lyrics up and I said, man, Al, you cold, brother. Al, you cold. Al said this, these are the eyes that never knew how to smile till you came into my life. And these are the arms that long to lock you inside every day and every night. That's what Al said. Y'all with me? He says, girl, and here is the soul of which you've taken control. Can't you see I'm trying to show love is right. And then he goes into, oh, show and tell. That's the game I play when I want to say I love you. Girl, 
show me and tell me that you feel the same way too. Now listen. All right. Now, now, now listen. See, that's a lesson in everything. I learned stuff. See, just like Al was singing that song, God is telling us, show and tell. God, I, no, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. I, I can't listen to what he said, guys. He says, uh, um, uh, he says, he says, uh, girl, and here's the here's soul of which you've taken control. Can't you see I'm trying to show love is right? He says, show and tell just a game I play when I want to say I love you. Girl, sh- girl, so show me and tell me that you feel the same way too. God wants to know you feel the same way about him that he feels about you. God wants to know that you love him with the same passion and fire and desire that he loves you. <sighs> okay, that's enough of that. Yeah, some of y'all go, go look it up and I need y'all to study and come back. We're going to talk about show and tell next week. But God is looking for a people who will love him with all their heart, mind, and soul. Oh, glory. So, 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 get, 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 get to John 17. Come on, John 17. Thank you, Mary. I'm going to play that game of show and tell. What I want to say, I love. And here's the beauty of that, guys. Uh, in, in, in our, and when you're in a relationship with any other fallible human being, there will be times in your relationship where you get mad in a wet hand at each other. I mean, it, it could be your spouse. It could be your children. It could be your mama, your daddy, your pastor, your pastor. Your pastor. <laughs> Thank you, teacher. <laughs> There'll be times you'll be back, but I tell you all the time. I listen. I'm okay as long as my pushing you and my exhorting you causes you to search the scripture to see if the things that I'm telling you are so. But don't don't don't, don't come to me and be mad at me when you don't even study it. Now that, that's foolishness there. Now, if you're not going to study the word and then try to talk theology, come on. If you're not going to study the word and try to talk how the church should respond and do this, I need you to know Bible first. Okay? Be doers of the word and not what? And not hearers only. Get, get back here. Let's go. Come on. I got, I got to move. John 17. Look, look, let's pick back up at verse number five. Jesus praying prior to going to the cross of Calvary. Oh, glory. And think about this for a second. And we're going to read this. Imagine if your doctor called you in next week to go over some test results and tells you that you have three years to live. If you knew that that time clock on your life expired three years from today, my question to you today is, how would you live? What would you change? What steps would you take to leaving a lasting legacy and have some eternal impact? Would you do more stuff? Or would you do less stuff, just do it better? 
What would you do if you had that time? Don't make no mistake about it. Jesus knew what his assignment was to come here to pour into those men, and he knew that ultimately that the way that that the sacrifice is going to be given, he's got to go to the cross of Calvary. He prayed, Father, if there's any other way to accomplish this, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He was allowing the Father to rule. He said, I don't do anything except the Father tell me to do it. And he's looking for us to let him rule in our life. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we share before the world began. Let's keep reading. He said, I have revealed to you the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Let's go, guys. Now they know, now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. He says, For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. Let's keep going, guys. My prayer is not for the world but for those you have given me because they belong to you. He says, I'm, he says, I'm, praying, I'm praying for my followers, these immediate ones, and we're going to see later on the ones uh, us in the future. Keep reading. He says, all who are mine belong to me, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now, I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Let's keep going, guys. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that, they, so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the Scripture foretold. Some stuff going to happen because it's been prophesied in the Bible. You know, I, I, share, you remember I shared with you guys uh, a, a few... Uh, weeks back uh, about, I, I forgot, I said that one, one of the things that Satan is trying to do is he's trying to bring uh, 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 discord from the outside. I, t- I told you that Satan wants to bring pressure from the outside and change from the inside when it comes to the church. He wants to bring pressure from the outside, political win- winds, uh, cultural norms changing, uh, People changing the definition of marriage. And it's, he, he don't want it just to be out there in the world. He's trying to get the church to change from the inside. I also told you, and I, I quoted Jordan Green from Pursuit Church up in Denver, North Carolina. He's the one I, I heard him say this, and it just pricked my spirit. He said, eventually, to my Satan, he wants to get the church, not the world, to call sin righteousness and righteousness sin. Are y'all with me today? Satan will always work to bring the church into compromise with sin. Let me say it again. Satan will always work to bring the church into compromise with sin. And after the church compromises with sin, Satan will teach them to tolerate sin with silence. Well, you know, I, I, I know, you know, I, I, I know my child doing this here, but you know, I ain't going to say that they grown. True enough, they're grown. You cannot make a grown person do anything. But you as a disciple maker, as a believer in Christ, ought to be dropping some seeds of wisdom in their life. Now, again, everybody ain't going to let you talk to them. But there are going to be times when they need you. And when you come and you need me and my children need me, they call me from time to time for stuff. Some money. <laughs> Whatever. All right. But, but I, 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 I 
owe it to them to deposit truth. I can't make them receive it, but I have a responsibility as a believer to depart those truth and to say it in a, in a way that's loving yet truthful. I'm not going to try to beat them up. I'm not going to say, I told you so. I'm going to say, well, okay, listen, you handled it this way. That wasn't right. But here, here's what I would do if I was in your situation. The next time, this is what, as a matter of fact, I said, you know what? I had this situation happen when I was just about your age, and here's what I did. And I, I discovered the wisdom in God in doing it this way and not the way you did it. Are y'all with me? So we got to be able to t- talk and, and teach people and to pour into them. But, but sometimes we, we don't get it. It's just after the church compromises with sin, Satan will teach them to tolerate sin with silence. In other words, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to cause no trouble. They can say something that's clearly wrong, unbiblical, but, you know, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because, you know, you know, we just want to get along. We're all here eating, eating dinner together. Now, if I'm in your house, cool. But when you come to my house, we're going to talk. Okay, all right. So, 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 so stop being silent in the face of clear error. And because silence, in a lot of cases, can, it can result in complicity when you don't call something out. I, I said it before. Racism, slavery, Jim Crow laws could have never flourished in this country had not the church been complicit and silent. I'm going to say it again. None of those things could, 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 could flourish except that the church who knows truth but don't talk truth. Satan wants you to be silent. And lastly, after Satan teaches them to tolerate sin with silence, he will ultimately get them to teach that sin is righteousness and righteousness is sin. There'll be people when they hear me talk about uh, what God's definition of marriage is, they're going to call me a bigot. But I'm going to keep teaching what the word of God says. I'm not going to let the culture define what righteousness is in the household of God. I'm going to teach it in the right way. I'm going to teach it in a loving way, but I can't compromise with sin. Some stuff wouldn't happen if Christians stood up and said, this is right, this is wrong, based on not my opinion, but God's word rightly divided, properly executed. Some stuff is, is, is just simple black and white. It ain't, it ain't even a controversial issue. Don't steal. How do you how how do you mess that up? <laughs> I'm just, All right, can we go? I got three minutes. Can y'all hang with me? Now I'm coming to you. I told I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. Look at look at this. I've given them the word your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world. So I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. The devil is real. And he's coming for you. Did you hear me? He's coming for you. He's coming for your household. He's coming to disrupt your family. He's coming to disrupt your, your peace. We're fighting against the real devil. But here's the beauty of the fight. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I ain't worried about him. I ain't scared of him. Ooh, devil, what you, what you going to do to me now? No, no, in the name of just get your tail up out of here. You get out of here. 
They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your, 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 teach them your word, which is, so how am I going to be made holy? By his word, because his word is what? True. So if I have no word, my chances of walking in holiness are going to be very slim. That's why as your pastor, I'm telling you, sign up for the class. Sign up for your discipleship training. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is true. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. He says this, watch this. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. What is his truth? His word. His word is true. Can you see the ask? This, this, this is a word. I, it, you, I'm making it into a, 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 a noun, something that's asinine. But think about the asininity of a believer thinking. That means crazy, y'all. Just fancy word for crazy. Uh, just unreasonable, okay? The asininity of a Christian thinking that they can grow in their faith apart from God's revealed word. The acidity of a Christian thinking that I can operate at peak performance without knowing what the man who made me, created me, tells me how to walk. But I say, God, I really don't have time for that. I'm a busy person. Listen to me. There's, God has 15,000 ways you hadn't even thought about to get your attention. He's just using me today to talk to you because you've been ignoring him. He's using me today. You are here not by accident. He's using me here today to encourage you in your walk with the Lord because he wants you to take the things that you've learned and deposit those into the lives of others. But you can't do that when you're selfish. If you love him, show it. Show and tell. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Next verse. I'm praying not only, here here we are right now. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. We believe because those original disciples that Jesus poured into took the message across the globe. And now somebody told, they told somebody who 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 told your mama, your mama told you. And now you say, hey, man, you got saved when you were young, fell away from it, but you came back in and God is using you now mightily to carry his word. All right. I got four things to tell you, but I don't have time to tell you. My next time up, I'll tell you. Every head bowed in my clothes. Father God, we thank you for this privilege and this honor.